Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Current Yield, Grant's Interest Rate Observer of the Air. I am Jim Grant, and with me, as always, is uh, Eric Whitehead, our intrepid technician, and uh, the great Evan Lorenz, deputy editor of Grant's, and Phil Grant, who edits our almost daily Grant's uh, indispensable guide to daily events on an almost daily basis. But we are we're coming to you on, what's today, the 4th, the 9th of April. No, I think that's the, the date all day. And this has to go down as one of the epical days in American finance. On this very day, uh, the Federal Reserve has launched, uh, Evan, would it be too much to call it a leveraged acquisition of American finance? I, I think that's pretty fair. An LBO of um, kind of the financing role that the market's played. Now, before we get uh, into the uh, intriguing details, I want you to note this podcast is brought to you very generously by Grant's Interest Rate Observer. And, um, you know, I, I can't help but notice, Evan and, and Phil and Eric, that um, the government CARES Act, the CARES Act, which uh, is going to be responsible for disseminating $1,200 checks to uh, every sentient American citizen, and some of the ones who are not quite sentient, I think, uh, those checks are in the sum of $1,200, which happens to be approximately the cost of a year's subscription to grants. <laughs> now, Evan, can you think of a better use of proceeds uh, than... No, I, I've had a lot of people ask me, like, uh, what are good reading recommendations? And I, I think grants would fit that. We have yeah. a, a very long archive. Uh, we just put together a new reading packet. Perhaps we could... Well, get... yes, we, Sorry. We, we have, for the uh, for your asking, we have um, a new compendium of our pieces. The, the uh, theory behind this compendium is that uh, um, our financial difficulties did not actually originate in the wet markets of, uh, of the People's Republic. Uh, but the uh, uh, the corporate immune system, so to speak, has been impaired through years and years of lending and borrowing at what we at grants contend to be uneconomic and manipulated rates of interest. has given us the uh, debt bubble and uh, kind of the everything bubble, no? Uh, so uh, anyway, the, uh, uh, the, the virus is one thing. Uh, finance is another. Two have intersected, but we must distinguish between the two. And we think we've done that at grants. We welcome your attention to this on-demand compendium. And I think that you can just go to the website, Eric Whitehead, is that correct, and, um, and find this thing. And then, and then um, you're required to subscribe to Grant. You're not required, but Alexa will be watching your every move after you download this thing. But do download it, read it, and if you like it, uh, subscribe with your government check. You would go to www.grantspub.com forward slash W2020. Grantspub.com forward slash W2020. He speaks. Yeah. Stocks yet. <laughs> Not yet. 
Well, it, it seems far-fetched, but uh, then again, so would so much of this. You know, I, I'm, I'm anticipating uh, objections from some of our listeners that we are uh, a querulous and, uh, and uh, picayune in our, in our criticism implied and overt of the Fed in this. The Fed uh, is wrapping itself around the flag, not only of America, but also of uh, a humanitarian mission. And it wants to make us better. It wants to make the economy hum again. It wants to help us overcome this plague. Let's concede that uh, that's well and good. I'm not so sure it's well and good. Let's, let's concede that. I think the question before the House, Evan, Phil, and Eric, is the question before the House is what happens when the plague recedes, as this virus surely will. Uh, these things have a beginning, a middle, and an end, unlike unlike these monetary interventions, which seem to go from strength to strength, if that's the word, certainly from aggression to more aggression. Radical policy seems to be get more radical policy. And uh, I think somewhere in the chairman's remarks today, Chairman Powell's remarks, was uh, assurance that uh, once this crisis passes, that the Fed will uh, put these uh, uh, spanner wrenches and uh, hammers and, uh, and uh, buzz saws, whatever, tool, that's, a, that's a, the appropriate, the, always the approved analogy, toolkit, put them back in the toolkit. Evan, is that going to happen? Well, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, as you know from the Federal Reserve Act, the Fed can't actually purchase paper that's not guaranteed by the government. So historically, they've stuck to uh, treasuries and agent securities. The way they get around that is the treasury is actually giving a backstop for credit losses, and the Fed is just providing the loans to actually buy these uh, assets. In effect, the treasury is buying this. What happens when we come towards October or November, it's a presidential election. Market may be down a little bit, and the treasury calls up uh, Jerome Powell and says, hey, yeah. you got, uh, we want to buy a few more things. It's an open question what happens after that. I have it on authority. It's authority I may not uh, commit to indulge, to divulge that um, in uh, a conversation not so long ago, Chairman said to something about uh, his interlocutor, conversational companion, said to Secretary Mnuchin something about we mustn't do helicopter money, of course, to which the Secretary replied, let's agree to disagree. So I think at the highest reaches of the Treasury of the Trump administration, there is uh, a tolerance for untested monetary measures that perhaps matches or exceeds that of the Federal Reserve, even, even as the Fed has pledged limitless uh, credit creation to this project of economic restoration. So I think uh, uh, the politics uh, are in place to welcome such limitlessness. And we do wonder, I was going to say how it ends, but I want to know whether it ends. It's just stunning. You know, I, the other day on uh, kind of a three-second phone-in with Rick Santelli, my friend Rick Santelli at CNBC. I, I scarcely got up my blurting out my uh, uh, prepared one point to make, and that had something to do with the, I'm afraid it came across as rather the sanctity of price discovery, this in the context of life and death. How could how could this so-called interest rate observing journalist obsess about uh, price discovery in the midst of this public health crisis? And um, I, I do understand that question, but it seems to me that, that the that the health of our finances, the health of our economy, is a not inconsequential concern of the Federal Reserve, which is indeed in business to defend that health. And if what the Fed is doing is to corrupt the way we value investments, the way we value investment projects, is that is that a worrying thing, or is that 
just collateral damage for this laudable, in fact, necessary humanitarian impulse? That's kind of the question, though. Part of the role of the markets is to um, separate companies that are investing in highly productive projects from those that are not. Prior to the crack up in the markets, over a third of the Russell 2000 companies were actually not generating a profit. So a large portion of the market was unprofitable and kept alive from easy money. In the last two weeks, we've seen companies like Carnival Corp, which is being hard hit as nobody's booking a cruise right now, and Airbnb issue bonds. They've had to pay high rates. Airbnb, I think, paid over 10% spread, and I think Carnival's bonds were an 11.5% for first priority secured notes due 2023. But they were able to access the markets um, at rates that they might not have liked. With the Fed jumping into the junk market, it could lead to more distortions of keeping unproductive companies alive, which actually leads to the problem of um, the Fed not being able to generate inflation, which yes. also leads the Fed. Well, I think the, the, the great question, which the next issue of grants will do its best to uh, uh, to address, is whether all this is inflationary. I mean, uh, it uh, would seem to be, right? Common sense would say that when the economy is contracting at a rate of 20% or so, annualized rate of 20% or so, whatever it happens to be, and when the money supply, broad-based money supply, what we used to call M3, is expanding at an annual rate of, uh, I don't know, call it 12 or 15%, uh, is, you know, is that inflationary? Is, is inflationary when the Treasury issues a lot of debt that the Fed is monetizing? Is that These things were known to be inflationary. This, this was as simple as two plus two makes four in the day. But there is nothing like uh, years, indeed decades, of uh, favorable investment experience for the holders of fixed income securities to negate those seeming uh, truisms and to cast into doubt the capacity of any kind of monetary policy in this developed economy to generate unwanted inflation. What Chairman Powell does not say in his speech, at least that portion of it that I've read and I hope retained, is that this is going to be a safe thing to do with regard to quality of the money that produced. Now, um, our friends at Hoisington Investment Management have been uh, the life winner in their call year after uh, since the, uh, I guess the late 80s van for longer than that. But the Van Hoisington and Al Lacey come together. Uh, you must read this. Their, their letter is available on the web. Hoisington uh, Investment, they contend that not even these initiatives, they don't talk about today's, but uh, up until today's, not even these most astonishing interventions by our central bank are inflationary because, and they, they add a list of reasons, this, um, you know, the, the rate of turnover of money, the so-called velocity of money, will not increase because uh, the world has no use for new debt. The debt we have is quite sufficient. In fact, there's too much of it, say they. And uh, these balances the Fed create will merely lie idle and uh, we'll just have more debt and more deflation and still lower interest rates. That's the story. So that that is the analysis from people who have profited mightily by their line of thinking. This, this actually ties into something else that happened today that I think is getting less attention. Uh, Van Hoisington has told you and me, Jim, in the past that one thing that worries him about his bull case on bonds is the direct monetization of, uh, of, of debt, modern monetary theory, where essentially the Treasury calls up the central bank, issues debt, and just funds spending ad infinitum. I'm going to read two sentences from the uh, Financial Times today. In a statement to uh, the financial markets on Thursday, government announced that it would uh, size the government's bank account at the central bank, known historically as a Ways and Means facility, which normally stands 
stands at just 370 million pounds. This will rise effectively to an unlimited amount, allowing ministers to spend in the short term without having to tap the guilds market. So essentially, the Bank of England is now just directly monetizing the um, English Treasury's um, issuance. Well, didn't the uh, the new chairman of the Bank of England, the governor, sorry, of the Bank of England, only days ago reject the idea of uh, direct monetization? I think he did. We got in the general. Yeah, actually, uh, according to the same story, although Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey opposed monetary financing earlier this week. It was just a few days ago that you were Yeah, time does fly. <laughs> well, um, Phil, you had a, a story in ADG a couple of days ago uh, quoting uh, our friends at Capital Forum predicting that the Fed would eventually get into the business of buying uh, junk bonds of a certain kind. Houston, uh, lo and behold, it came to pass. Yes, that was uh, the report was, I believe, issued Friday night, and they, they cited specifically the idea that fallen angels that were investment grade before the events of, of, of March would, would, would be eligible. And lo and behold, it has come to pass less than a week later. You know, um, for perspective, 100 years ago, there was this uh, influenza pandemic, and uh, it was hugely costly in American life. Uh, C5, uh, 0.65 or so percent of the population died. The country was uh, had 105 or 10 million people, I think. So the uh, death toll was upwards of 650,000. Gruesome. But, you, you know, you're hard-pressed to find the evidence of that in the macroeconomic data that then were compiled and circulated. No doubt those data leave much to be desired, but the record in uh, writing historians is likewise scanty. The uh, uh, the world suffered millions of deaths. Uh, America at the time was born in the uh, fall of 19, March through the fall of 1918 and then into early 1990. The Fed kept a discount rate of about 4%. Uh, long-dated treasuries were likewise at 4 you know, It was a more stoical time, I suppose, and certainly a wartime. The economy was not about to be shut down by federal order. But uh, fast forward 100 years, and uh, I think it's fair to say we are much less stoical. And we are certainly much more ready to accept wholesale uh, interventions and uh, subjugation by our authorities, whether it be uh, orders from the governor of the state of New York that dog runs shall no longer be allowed to open in city limits, or whether uh, prices ought to find their own level if you're talking about finance. It is a, a very different world. Arguably, it's a, I guess people would say it's a more humane world. We take much greater take much greater notice of suffering, and we do our best collectively to alleviate it. I wonder, gentlemen, I wonder if love and youth and spring will not overcome our politicians. And I say this with specific reference to a New York City official who will draw the veil of charity over his name, but he was on Twitter. He just suffered the loss of his uh, octogenarian mother who said the president has blood on his hands for having messed up this virus thing. Uh, I guess the implication is we all uh, stay in place indefinitely or longer. But I don't know. I, I, I think uh, that uh, Evan and Phil, people your age, about to bust out and get on with the business of living. So I have, uh, I want to dedicate part of this podcast to love and youth and spring and the hope that the, the impulsive vibrancy of youth will rescue us all somewhat morbid and mawkish grip of our aging politicians. That, by the way, general, that was a little editorial aside. Um, hey, but, uh, you know, this, this uh, settlement uh, or this shelter in place hasn't been all bad. I mean, I, I for one, uh, my wife, Tricia, uh, that's still that's your mother. I don't mean to respect her. You're your skipper's mom. I, but uh, Patricia, the former Patricia Kavanaugh, MD, and, and, and I watched a movie the other night. And Eric, I think this is even before your time. This is, this is Lawrence of Arabia that came out I mean, in 1960 or so. And Anthony Quinn 
uh, plays the uh, the character of one of the uh, the Arab chieftains. That uh, one of the scenes in the movie has to do with the with Quinn and his and his men storming some Turkish citadel, and they had come uh, onto uh, uh, the uh, the vault where the money is. As they were promised. They were promised to be a lot of loot in this particular place. They indeed overran it, and so Quinn goes up and opens the safe, and all I can find is paper. Now, Quinn was expecting gold, of course, that being money. And there's a great, there's a great scene of uh, the Anthony Quinn character thundering against this fake money. So I commend uh, Lawrence of Arabia uh, to our viewers, even as I commend, where else are we reading material and uh, new movies? I, I, oh, I commend form H41. H41 is the Fed's weekly statistical release. It's called, rather forbiddingly, Factors Affecting Reserve Balances. But, you know, you financial folk out there know it as a balance sheet. And uh, I see this. We look at grants. We look at something called Reserve Bank Credit, which is the sum of the Fed's earning assets, you know, treasury bills, notes, bonds, federal agency, debt securities, and all matter of other detritus that will now become more conspicuous in the balance sheet. But it's footed to uh, $5.6 trillion. That's up from, what, $4.4 trillion at the start of the year or something? And uh, I think uh, it? BlackRock is now projecting $10 trillion for the year's end. And that BlackRock projection was before the latest $2.3 trillion in new lending facilities. Yeah, I was going to say BlackRock is a piker. I wonder if Larry Fink <laughs> is going to take exception to any of the uh, environmental, social, and governance aspects of the uh, Federal Reserve balance sheet. Um, it doesn't seem very green to me. Well, I, oh, wait. On the contrary, it seems emerald so much money and so little effort. In fact, now that I think it through even a little bit, this is the greenest financial institution you can imagine. They create credit with, with like, are there any smokestacks involved, gentlemen? I hardly think so. Any uh, manufacturing operations that require labor, capital, energy? No. How do they create credit? Eric? Eric Whitehead? Well, easily, right? His mic is <laughs> off, but yeah, he, he's, he, he knows how. Yeah. I'm thinking that the uh, uh, what so what uh, before we uh, let our readers uh, listeners go on to perhaps if uh, less entertaining more substantive task of day like you know like doing their jobs what have you guys how have you Phil and Evan how have you uh, put this time of sheltering in place to profit what what things have you discovered more for example a monetarily themed adventure movies or something like that uh, you maybe contribute to our listeners. Well, I, I can't I can't top the Lawrence of Arabia uh, in terms of uh, relevance, but I, I have to make note of this uh, the recently deceased country singer John Prine, who I, I was not aware of his work. Uh, he died uh, unfortunately a few days ago from the virus, but just a, a, a terrific a terrific musician and, and highly recommended. And the New York Times obituary of his is, is also terrific. Let me just bring this up. There's a one one of his remarks that the Times uh, captured. I think is. Uh, Jermaine, he says, this is an interview with the Daily Telegraph in 2013, John Prine, this is his quote, I guess what I always found funny was the human condition. There's a certain comedy and pathos to trouble and accidents. So I don't know. He's a uh, a very interesting character and uh, I highly recommend it. Okay, I'm going to contribute something to I I, I was uh, driving uh, this morning at the Wall Street Journal for which uh, uh, Charlie Grant works for, uh, Charlie Grant's another son of ours. And uh, you got to read the Wall Street Journal because Charlie writes for it. But we, I, on the way, I turned on uh, Sirius to the jazz station, and I heard a fabulous, I heard the, the tune called Social Call uh, by Benny Benank III. Now, there's a name, Benny Benank III. You know, you a baseball player with that name. Benny Benank III, along with Veronica Swift, Social Call. That's, I'm just saying, just listen to it. It is a marvel. And 
I had no idea that Benny Bernanke existed. Um, he's a trumpet player as well. Fabulous. So I go, thank you. Whitten Marsalis who sings. So, Evan, do you have anything to contribute to uh, the well-being and amusement of our listeners in this time of uh, monetary amazement? The Seinfeld TV series has aged remarkably well, and B, it's nice to see New Yorkers out and not locked in their homes. What's the, you're in Brooklyn, no? I, I'm in Brooklyn, yeah. Yeah, what's the, what's the street traffic like? Is it uh, is love, youth, and spring conquering, mawkish, uh, command and control? It's pretty empty out here. I, I've been told from the manager of my building that about half my building is actually vacant. So that gives free reign to, like, if you were going to do some burglaries, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to get my exact street address. Uh, all right. Well, um, I, I, had, uh, I, I guess we uh, have taken care of the agenda today. I, I wanted to uh, reemphasize that... Uh, uh, that despite uh, the difficulty of the times, we have not run out of subscriptions. And Eric Whitehead, um, uh, intrepidly, as you know, he's an intrepid chap, is in the office today along with Phil, and they are standing by to process your government checks. Uh, so please send them in uh, to uh, subscribe to grants for a year. And after you do that, I dare say you'll be around for many years. That's been our experience. And so uh, uh, thank you one and all for listening, and uh, I guess we're going to see you soon or hear us soon. Until then, this is Jim Grant on behalf of Current Yield.